0: Wildlife rehabilitation is not a job for the faint of heart. There's long days, hard cases, difficult people, and, of course, heartbreak. As time goes on, we learn, we grow, we get tired, and sometimes we break down. But it is a field that is more rewarding than words could ever describe. This podcast is meant to serve as a place for wildlife rehabilitators to relate to one another and also as a place for those interested in the field. This is Critter Chatter. Hi everybody, my name is Erica and I'm a licensed wildlife rehabilitator in the state of Michigan and I will be your host for Critter Chatter. I am fairly new to the field. I've only been licensed in wildlife rehab since 2018, but I have been working in veterinary medicine as a veterinary technician since 2011. So my ultimate goal for this podcast and our our listeners here is not to act like I know everything because 100% I absolutely don't. I'm very new to the field. But I realized that there are not many opportunities for us to be on the same page, talk, hear each other out. Um, at the end of the day, we're, we're all on the same team, even though we all may do things differently. And everybody has something to offer, something that they can put on the table and we can learn from each other. So this episode is just to... um kind of get things rolling here and hopefully we can all learn something new. So a little bit about myself. I initially started working at a small animal practice in 2011. I was actually in high school at the time and a certified veterinary assistant. Um, I did go on after high school to college where I pursued my veterinary technician degree and became licensed in 2015. So I um, continued to work and practice as a technician. And as time went on, I began receiving a lot of phone calls at the clinic regarding injured and orphaned wildlife. So basically, I came to realize that there was a great need in our area for wildlife rehabilitators. So I thought, well, I'll just go and get certified or licensed in wildlife rehab and try to help out a little bit. Nothing crazy, just here and there, kind of fill that gap. So I went on to take my IWRC course and then built an enclosure for the Michigan DNR to inspect and became licensed in 2018. After I became licensed, I, just from word of mouth, began receiving a lot of phone calls and referrals from people, and before I knew it, I was swarmed with orphaned animals in the springtime, uh, most specifically baby raccoons, because At least in our state, a lot of people stray away from doing them, um, or they accept all mammals except raccoons, so there was a huge demand for raccoon rehabilitators. From that point of being slammed with these infant wild mammals, I knew immediately, okay, this is way bigger than I thought this is growing way faster than i thought and i decided to create an actual nonprofit organization because at that point i was paying for everything completely out of pocket i was still working full time and basically just working to pay for my wildlife rehab habits which i think a lot of us do after founding my nonprofit and kind of creating a brand a social media page a website things kept growing and growing and I started um, I started gathering sub permits so people that could assist me legally with bottle babies under my license and some volunteers to help me with cleaning and feedings on my premises and still I f- I felt like, and of course I still feel like, I have just these massive growing pains because there's such a deficit of wildlife rehabilitators all across the board. And I feel even the large centers, as they keep growing, the demand just keeps growing. Our public becomes more and more educated on wildlife and what to do when you see an injured or orphaned animal in the wild. And not only that, but more people are willing to help and get an animal from point A to B, or now they're realizing that there are wildlife rehabbers out there that can assist with these animals, so why aren't we helping them? And then, of course, this year with COVID, a lot more people were home, doing renovations, doing yard work, whatever the case may be, and you mix that (laughs) with Um, The inability to have a full string of rehabbers on on board and you kind of just have the perfect storm. It's been a really wild year and this podcast has been a project that's been on my mind this whole year. I've really wanted to start this and it's obviously just been so busy and now things are finally starting to simmer down we're coming out of baby season we're alive still and so now we're playing catch up and i'm finding some more time to work on these passion projects like critter chatter so my organization is critter crossing rehabilitation right now i'm only licensed for small mammals i guess you could consider me an in-betweener rehabber which i think A lot of us kind of fall in that category so there's the at-home rehabbers which is what I started as you know very very small-scale out-of-pocket and then you know the huge facilities the big fully functional sometimes even purpose-built facilities that have a full staff paid staff or volunteer staff um, and they just really have their shit together And I find myself, along with a lot of my friends, actually, in the middle. And that is we have this organization, it's growing, it's flourishing, but we don't have the resources to have a fully functional facility. It's definitely a goal and it's definitely needed, but right now we're in that situation where We have these huge dreams and goals, but we're also so busy trying to take care of our patients and keep up with the workload that it's hard to move forward, and it's definitely frustrating, and I feel that even at-home rehabbers may feel that way as they're trying to get to the next step. Oh, I want to start my nonprofit, or I want to create an organization, and I just don't have the time, and then there's us middle persons who have these organizations and there's so much potential to expand and grow them but we don't have the funding or the time to elicit said funding and I'm fairly certain that even our large centers still experience growing pains to this day where this demand for wildlife rehabilitators just continues to grow and we find ourselves trying to look for time and energy that's just not there to, to grow our organizations. So, as of right now, I do still work full-time as a veterinary technician, and um, I need to do that in order to live. So, I may not be paying out-of-pocket anymore to fund my rehab expenses, thanks to my very great community and donors, but I still have to make a living wage and I haven't quite found that balance yet or figured out how to get myself in a position where I can comfortably pay myself on my organization's dime and still fund the animal care. So of course it's kind of a little bit of guilt I think involved in that thought process. I almost don't feel it's appropriate to use that money to pay myself a living wage because i know that when people donate they're not thinking oh i'm paying for Erica to live her life and buy groceries and pay her house payment they're donating because they want to take care of the animals and i know there are people that do that and that's, to me, that's totally fine. I think that it's understandable because if you're paying yourself to run your organization and take care of those animals and be there full time, you are probably doing a fantastic job because you're able to be there all the time. So that's kind of a goal that I have is to to make the move from being an employee for someone else and be an employee of the animals. I do find that having the accessibility to medications, treatments, and physical examinations and surgeries by the doctor that I work for is very convenient. And having that background in veterinary medicine has aided me greatly to to be where I'm at right now and to feel as comfortable as I do this early on in the game. But I also know that I could be Doing so much more if I didn't have to be at work every single day I guess you could say that I jumped headfirst into rehab Without even realizing it when I became licensed. I wanted to help when I could and We all know that it's just not that simple and The demand is always greater than the resources available. I think that we could all probably relate in a sense that we almost don't have time to have a life and I think that we are all spread very thin and that we can't always do as much as we wish that we could and we all share a very common goal and that's rescue and release And we want to help as many animals as we can, and we want to do so responsibly. There is kind of this taboo, I feel, amongst rehabbers where we put all this pressure on not only ourselves, but on each other, where your life has to be rehab and only rehab. How do you have any free time if you are enjoying yourself during the months of April, May, June, July? you are a terrible rehabber. And maybe that's just a fallacy. Maybe that's just me exaggerating a little bit. But I do think that some look at it that way. And I think that I can see or <laughs> comments or thoughts like that may stem from, especially because there's not enough rehabbers. But I also feel like We are no good to the animals if we aren't good to ourselves. And that's something that I think that we might spend some time talking about on this podcast. Giving ourselves permission to live and be our own people. Take time for hobbies. Do things that are good for our mental health and stability. And I know that it's hard to do that and I struggle with it, but I think that we could all help each other and remind each other and support each other when they need a break or when they need some time to breathe or do something that makes them happy that isn't necessarily working hands-on with the animals in our care. Obviously, rehabilitating wildlife makes us happy. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it something that you have to have a passion for because it is very grueling, but it is also very demanding mentally, physically, emotionally. So reminding ourselves and each other to take a step back every now and then is very, very important. And I know personally, I even feel guilty if I'm doing something that I enjoy that's not directly revolved with my rehabilitation organization. I find myself not even enjoying the things that I should be enjoying because I feel like, oh my gosh, I have a million other things I should be doing. I cannot believe I'm doing this right now when somebody's probably trying to call me or text me about an animal, but I I still have to do these things. I still have to take care of me so that I can take care of them. And hell, why don't we all just take care of each other while we're at it? So lately, I've been trying to create more time for myself that isn't really there. And recently, a, a job opportunity presented itself to me, which I still have to work to make money, And <laughs> but I also want to have more time to do my rehab, take care of administrative duties, and take care of the animals. So I am taking a jump which is terrifying into a new career that will offer me more more time to to take care of Critter Crossing. So I recently accepted a position as an animal control officer, which is very exciting. I've already worked pretty closely with our local animal control, and this is just going to strengthen that bond and be an asset an asset to both them and myself. They're being very open and excited about me being licensed in in wildlife. And it'll be an opportunity to field more calls, educate the public, be able to go pick up animals and intake animals. And I'll have more hours in the day in general. So my work days will be shorter and hopefully I'll have a little bit more energy after leaving work, and I'm super excited for this opportunity because I feel that even lately at my day job as a vet tech, I get home and have another full-time job trying to catch up on things, and the hours that I work just don't leave me with a whole lot of energy left to do things the way that I feel that they should be done, and there's always this dilemma Where I wish I could clone myself, I don't know if anybody can relate, but I think most of you can. We as rehabbers are very particular about how things are done. We want to make sure things are done correctly and appropriately. And it's very hard to delegate tasks and accept help from other people beyond basic duties. Because we want to make sure that things are done the way that we want them to be done. I mean, this is high-stakes stuff. There's animals' lives at stake here. So it's understandable that we're wired this way. But it's also very unhealthy. So I feel that if I trained myself to accept help a little bit more easily... Then I would also have even more time to grow and work on bigger goals where my organization is headed. And gosh, I just really, really want a building on a good chunk of land. And I want it to be full of volunteers, but I cannot get there if I don't sit down, put my mind to it, and give myself the time by letting other people help me with today's tasks. I have been blessed in the past year, I've made a lot of friends that are wildlife rehabilitators in our great state of Michigan, and I feel that talking to them and expressing these feelings and having them kind of say, yep, I feel that too, it makes me feel less crazy, even though I think all of us in the field have a hint of crazy in us, otherwise we wouldn't be doing what we do. (laughs) Some of these friends that I've had the pleasure of making over the last year are going to be hanging out here on the podcast with us from time to time, and all of them have something amazing about them that I know that they want to share, something that they do differently or species that they specialize in, and they all teach me something almost every single day. We do perform a lot of relays with animals between us, at least in our area, because we all have our limits and we're all spread pretty far apart. So for instance, I'm not licensed in bird rehabilitation. So I do have to refer to my friend or sometimes stabilize and transport to my friend because there's not anybody in our area that rehabilitates birds or vice versa they have something that they that's in their area that needs help and there's not anybody available having that network is a huge asset but having a network with people that you actually can confide in and count on to teach you things that you need to know to get that animal from point A to point B is fantastic. So I've been licensed for two years, right? And I've learned more in the last year of having these rehabbers than I did in that first year where I felt pretty isolated. And I isolated myself that first year. It was very overwhelming and almost kind of intimidating, scary to make friends because I thought for sure I'm going to be judged. I, right now I only do small mammals. Ugh, like what, what am I even bringing to the table? I'm just a small fry. I'm a new guy. They're going to hate me. But as soon as I started talking to these people, my friends, they taught me so much taught me how hey you don't just have to say no to these things or send these things right to us why don't we teach you little things here and there maybe one day this might be something that you want to to do yourself or maybe maybe one day you'll want to become licensed in this with that i'm very excited to share these people with you that have opened my eyes to different niches in wildlife rehab and areas of great need i do hope to spend some time this winter or as we seem to call it our quote unquote off season volunteering at different places and trying to get more experience because i'll be quite frank i don't feel that i gained nearly enough experience before i became licensed i feel incredibly limited based on the knowledge that i have and I want to know more. I want to be able to do more, and I want to be able to do more confidently. That's the biggest thing. So, hopefully, as I spend some time at some bigger centers over the course of the next few months, I can share those experiences on this podcast as well. It's another area that we struggle with, especially our our in betweeners and our at home rehabbers. We're so busy that it is hard to find the time to learn more so that we can do more and feel like we're bringing more to the table. Obviously, it can't be all at once. We can't expect that we are going to be able to help every single species appropriately, that is. But certainly, there is always room to grow. And we should never stop learning, even if we, we are accepting every species in our area there's still constant advancements every single day in the field studies being done things that are being learned patterns that are being detected so in all reality nobody really knows at all none of us ever will and that's okay it's a great thing and with that thank you for listening to our new podcast critter chatter brought to you by critter crossing rehabilitation if you would be so kind as to like my facebook page critter crossing rehabilitation we'll be posting updates about the animals in our care as well as this new podcast so i am hoping to have an episode every couple weeks posted for you all to enjoy and until next time stay wild